This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Big D Breakdown, your home for all things Dallas Cowboys news. Welcome to the Big D Breakdown. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're breaking down the latest news and analysis from week two of the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex. Are you a podcast host looking to grow your audience and get more engagement? Then check out Poddex today. Use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. Just go to Pondex.com. And of course, can't forget game time. If you're looking for the best place to find tickets for the Dallas Cowboys, check them out today at game time. Use the link in the description and you can help support the show. So starting off, we're going to talk about the studs and duds from week two. Starting off with our stud, Noah Brown, wide receiver. Much has been asked of Noah Brown thus far, and he's been up to the task. Against the Bengals, he started out hot, making a clutch 17-yard reception on fourth and two. The ball was slightly behind him, but Brown adjusted and made the play to extend the drive. He was then repaid for his work as Cooper Rush found him again later in the drive, this time for a touchdown. The nine-yard score was the first of his career and set him up for a day to remember. He kept delivering throughout the game, bringing in five receptions for 91 yards, including a huge 12-yarder on the final drive, helping to set up the winning kick. And our dud is Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore was much better in week two than he was in week one, but that doesn't mean he was without fault. After taking his 17-3 lead in the half due to the offense taking chances, Moore got conservative with his uh, play calling. He also made the win harder than it needed to be. After Rush hit C.D. Lamb for a 24-year-old game late in the front fourth, <clears throat> excuse me, he called an ill-advised pitch to Ezekiel Elliott that lost them four yards. Again, he was better than their last game, but there's still some areas to clean up. For starters, he needs to make better adjustments at halftime. And our next stud, Micah Parsons at linebacker. Micah Parsons continues to cause problems for opposing defenses. In their loss to Tampa Bay, he sacked Brady twice on third down to end the drive and forced the Bucs to settle for three instead of a touchdown. It wasn't third down, but he killed a promising drive against or again on Cincy on Cincinnati's first post. Po, ah, excuse me, on Cincinnati's first possession, with the Bengals moving down the field, he sacked Burrow with the Dallas twenty-eight, setting up a third and fourteen. It proved to be too much to overcome, and they settled for a field goal to make it seven-three. 
Once Dallas was up 14-3, the linebacker got the offense the ball back once again. He came in unblocked and ruined Burrow's throw on third and short to force a second punt. Throughout the game, Parsons was in the backfield and finished with two more sacks, giving him four on the season. He continues to set the tone, is going to be on the shortlist for Defensive Player of the Year. In our next dud, Anthony Barr at linebacker. After Demarcus Lawrence single-handedly stopped the Bengals' opening drive, Anthony Barr made a play to keep it going for the road team. Burrow was tackled five yards shy of the first down by Lawrence on a third and eight, but Barr came in and delivered a late hit, which gave Cincinnati 15 yards and a new set of downs. Barr finished the game with six tackles, one of which went for a loss, so he redeemed himself. But this was a play to forget. Next up, as our star, her stud, I should say, is Cooper Rush, of course. During the preseason, Will Greer was making a push for the number two job behind Prescott, but in the end, Dallas stuck with the guy they trusted. They knew if Prescott went down, Rush would be able to keep the offense moving, and that's clearly what happened on Sunday. In just his second career start, Rush came out firing, leading Dallas to an opening drive touchdown. They kept attacking from there, heading to the half with a 17-3 lead. The play calling was less aggressive in the second half, but once Cincinnati tied it, Rush went back to work and set up a game-winning field goal. He finished the day 19-31 for 235 yards with a touchdown and no interceptions. He's not flashy, but he doesn't get rattled, ever, and just does his job. With that approach leading the way, Rush is now 2-0 as the starter for Dallas in his career. In our dud, Dalton Schultz at tight end. With so many wideouts missing, Dallas needed Schultz to step up. He did that in the first game of the season, but not as much against the Bengals. Schultz just had two receptions for 18 yards and lost a fumble on his final catch. The defense forced a punt after that, so no points were scored by Cincy. But the fumble came at the Bengals' 26, so likely took points away from their own offense. And next, our stud is Brett Maher, the kicker. When Jonathan Garibay made it obvious he wasn't the answer, Dallas brought back a familiar face as they signed Brett to be their kicker. He was with Dallas in 2018 and 2019, right after they released Dan Bailey. Excuse me. In those two seasons, he struggled as he missed 17 field goals and one extra point. Dallas moved on and brought in Greg Zerline. He was out of the league in 2020. But Brett joined the Saints last season when Will Letts was hurt and made 16 of 18 kicks. That gave the Cowboys hope that he turned a corner, and so far it seems he has. He made all three kicks so far this season, and all have been from 50 yards or farther. The latest was exactly from 50, and it was the one that sent Cincinnati home with a loss. He may have seemed to have found redemption with Dallas, and if he keeps this up, he could be around much longer than anticipated when he rejoined the franchise. In our next, next stud... Dorrance Armstrong, a defensive end. After losing Randy uh, Gregory to the Broncos, Dallas re-signed Dorrance Armstrong to a two-year deal. 
he was coming off his best season as a pro, recording 37 tackles and five sacks in 2021. This year, he was quiet against Tampa Bay, but took advantage of the struggling Bengals line in week two. He finished with four tackles and two sacks, helping the Cowboys take Burrow down six times behind the line of scrimmage. Before we move on, please hit that subscribe button to be and bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And as always, leave a comment in the comment section below and give us your thoughts on the topics we covered. And moving on, we're going to dive into four stars who helped the Dallas Cowboys beat Cincinnati. There weren't many Dallas Cowboys fans who thought getting a win against the reigning AFC East champions was possible after the team's week one performance. After losing their starting quarterback and several other players to injuries and watching an offense that couldn't seem to get anything done, morale was low. Yet, America's team got it done. Although they gave us a scare in the second half, this team was able to bounce back when it mattered most, led by two players who fans didn't even expect to be on the field a couple of months ago. There were a lot of players who helped this team secure a 2017 victory over the Bengals. And in this segment, we want to talk about those that surprised us. Players who we weren't expecting to make a huge impact on the game. Just because Parsons, Diggs, and Pollard aren't on this list doesn't mean they didn't all have game-changing performances. They did. But these are our four unsung heroes who helped Dallas get a win against the Bengals. So, like we discussed before, at number four is Brett Maher, the kicker. Six weeks ago, we all thought Jonathan Garibay would be the starting kicker for this team. Unfortunately, the longtime veteran could not get anything done in the preseason. Missing several kicks during camps, and the Cowboys were forced to go back to the drawing board and bring in four kickers to compete for the job. Cowboy fans were in disbelief when they saw that one of those four names was Brett Maher. Dallas got rid of him in 2019 because he was one of the most inaccurate kickers in football, with a completion percentage of just 66.7%. Giving this man a chance seemed absurd and wrong six weeks ago, but now we couldn't be happier. For starters, he was the only Cowboy to score any points in week one. In his first game back, he made a 51-yard kick to put Dallas on the board. Fans were relieved to see that, to see that, but were hesitant to put confidence back in their kicker. After Sunday's game, he is perfect on the year. He started the night with a lengthy 54-yard field goal in the second quarter. Then, when things came down to the wire, the team that cut him in 2019 needed him to step up and make a 50-yard kick in order to win the game. With just three seconds left and major pressure on his shoulders, he nailed the kick to beat the Bengals as time expired. He is now 3-for-3 three three on the year for field goals, with all 50 yards or more, and is perfect for his extra point attempts. And now, in number three, Dorrance Armstrong. This entire defense once again kept this team on, in the game. They were spectacular moments from all the big names. But someone you may not have expected to come up big was Dorrance Armstrong. When the Cowboys lost Randy Gregory this offseason, many were worried about how the team would replace him. 
And as such, they signed former Falcons defensive end Dante Fowler Jr. And drafted Ole Miss defensive end Sam Williams. Aside from that, they chose to believe in former fourth-round pick Dorrance Armstrong. The Kansas product was drafted by Dallas in 2018, but didn't make much noise until last season. Last year, he started five games and had a career-high five sacks, 37 tackles, and 12 quarterback hits. He certainly wasn't the defense's strongest puzzle piece, but he played a role. On Sunday against the Bengals, he had some momentum building plays. The defense sacked Joe Burrow a whopping six times, and Durant had two of them, making his first ever multi-sack game in his career. Armstrong was part of the reason the Bengals only gained 85 yards in the first half. He had a night to remember, and hopefully will continue to build upon this success for the rest of the year. And of course, you can't ignore at number two, Cooper Rush. We know Cooper Rush had the victory against Minnesota last year, but it was hard to have full faith in the backup after his rocky preseason performances for Dallas. But the calm, cool, and collected man proved us all wrong on set. Sunday. The first drive of the game was some of the most efficient and effective offense we have seen from the Cowboys in a very long time. In just his second NFL start, Rush now has two game-winning drives. The first half was excellent for the backup. Rush led the team to two touchdowns on the first two possessions, a feat they haven't completed since 2019. At the half, Rush was 12 for 18 with 162 yards and a passing touchdown. The second half wasn't as pretty for number 10. You can blame that on some questionable throws that almost got intercepted, or you can blame it on Kellen Moore not adapting his game plan in the second half. Moving forward, Rush will need to play with the same carefulness and preciseness that he did in the first half. However, when it mattered most, the 28-year-old was there to make it happen. With a tie game, the quarterback put together a six-play, 33-yard drive to set up a game-winning kick. This was an excellent outing for Rush. The quarterback went against Burrow, who was known for his clutch moments, and outplayed him to get a victory. And that's a huge win. And finally, at number one, wide receiver Noah Brown. The best pass catcher for the Cowboys wasn't CeeDee Lamb or Dalton Schultz. It was Noah Brown. The former seventh-round pick out of Ohio State was incredible for Dallas in Week 2. Brown reeled in the first touchdown of his career on a nine-yard pass from Rush to help the Cowboys score their first touchdown of the season. In the first two quarters, the receiver had four catches for 79 yards. In the 54 games he played before Sunday, Brown had one or fewer catches in 46 of them. On Sunday, he led all receivers stat-wise beating out names like Lamb, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, with five catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. I'm hoping all these underdogs can continue to shine in week three and beyond. And hey, stick with us next week as we continue to look at our studs and duds from week three. And next, we're going to focus even more on Cooper Rush's performance. There was a lot of fear, worry, and hopelessness leading into 
week two after the Dallas Cowboys horrific performance against the Buccaneers in week one. Dallas was the only team in the NFL in week one not to score a touchdown. And fans were worried that with the losses of Jaron Kearse, Connor McGovern, and of course, Dak Prescott, things would only get worse. With the Cincinnati Bengals winning the toss, backup quarterback Cooper Rush was given a chance to prove the doubters wrong early. Fans held their breath as the six-year backup and the rest of the Cowboys offense took the field. What happened after that looked much different than anything we saw last week. Rush led this team down the field with efficiency and ease. He had a lot of help from running backs Tony Pollard, which is about time, and Ezekiel Elliott, but was also able to get passes to Dalton Schultz and C.D. Lamb. The Cowboys have only had one opening drive touchdown in their last nine home games, but Rush was there to change that. Dallas didn't get inside Tampa's 30-yard line last week, but here they were finally in the red zone. On second and seven from the Bengals' nine-yard line, Rush escaped pressure and threw up a pass on the run, and Noah Brown made an acrobatic catch in the end zone. The Cowboys were on board in commanding fashion. Not only did they score last week, or did they not score last week, I should say, but the boys could barely get their first downs. This was a completely different team than what we witnessed seven days ago in week one. The Cowboys' first touchdown of the season was Rush's first of the year and Brown's first of his career. This is a huge sigh of relief for Cowboys Nation and hopefully gives Rush more confidence moving forward in this contest while Prescott is out. Maybe Skip Bayless was right. This was an impressive opening from Rush in the offense. Let us know your thoughts on Cooper Rush's performance in week two. Do you think he'll continue to improve? Or do you see him falling back into his old ways as the weeks in season moves forward? Let us know. And with all these injuries, one of the questions that is most often asked is should the Cowboys be worried about uh, wide receiver depth? There was no debate heading into week one that the Cowboys had downgraded their wide receiver room with injuries to Michael Gallup and James Washington. These expectations were even lower. Still, they played significantly worse than anybody could have expected. From CeeDee Lamb to former fifth-round pick, Simi Fahoko, nobody played well. The offensive line and quarterback play did not help their case, but the stats from last Sunday are sounding the alarm on the ability of the wide receiver room. Gallup and Washington are both not expected back for a few more weeks. So it will be on the current crop of receivers to carry the offense through the Cooper Rush experience until their starters return. With Prescott out until further notice and the season still young, the pressure is on the front office to decide if they need more receiver depth and ability. Should they stick with the young guys? Try rookie Jalen Tolbert out and wait for Gallup and Washington's inevitable return? Or do they search for a new depth-filling option in free agency or on the trade market? Perhaps the opening week loss to Tampa was just an off night for receivers. 
but the film and statistics were concerning, to say the least. Lamb tallied a grand total of 29 yards and no touchdowns while catching just two passes on 11 targets. That number equates to an 18.2% catch rate, one of the lowest numbers in football in week one. The entire wide receiver group, but Lamb is particular and generated almost no separation on Sunday. According to ESPN Stats and Info, rookie Dennis Houston and Lamb finished 67th and 69th in separation. While veteran Noah Brown struggled to crack the top 20 league wide. However, we saw a much better performance from Noah Brown in week two. That stat tells another story, and it's the fact that Lamb is getting consistently double or triple teamed on a play-by-play basis. The lack of talented depth is the reason why. Since the Jones choose to stick with undrafted free agents and inexperienced depth players, there are virtually no other threats that defenses are worried about, so teams will put full focus on Lamb. The depth or lack thereof is not just a problem because the current depth is bad. It's also affecting the receivers that are actually really good. That's not to say Lamb is not uh, did not play poorly because he did and he needs to be better. But the intention of cornerbacks is fully on him until the Cowboys add more viable and dangerous options at receiver. When you break things down statistically and compare them to other teams, there is no debate over whether Dallas should be concerned. The bigger question is whether they will do something about it. The answer to this question is largely based on two things. How do the current receivers perform before Gallup and Washington return? And how do those two guys perform when they eventually come back? If the weeks start to pass by this season and things continue to look as bad as they did in week one, I would expect for them to search for somebody on the free agent market or acquire someone via trade. There is some recent precedent to suggest they would be interested in that. Since 2008, Cowboys have acquired a wide receiver via trade four times. That's the sixth most in the NFL. The league-wide team average in that same time span is just barely two trades. Simply put, Dallas trades for receivers a lot more frequently than the rest of the league. Don't forget, a mid-season receiver trade just a few years ago changed the entire course of the Cowboys' season. It doesn't even have to be a trade for the Cowboys to improve at the position. Since 2015, the team has signed 10 free agent receivers, which again puts them above most of the league in that category. Dallas is top five in the league in open cap space, so money would not be a problem. They could sign even the most expensive wide receiver free agent, Odell Beckham Jr., if they wanted to. But don't expect... But don't get your hopes up the Cowboys front office does decide to make a move, it seems more likely than not that it would be a veteran low-cost free agent or a guy they could acquire in a trade for no more than a late night I mean a late round, excuse me, draft pick. While they may not seem like enough for a fan base reeling, a small but noticeable improvement in wide receiver depth could go a long way towards a more complete, fluid and successful offense in Arlington. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Um, do you believe that the Ranger, or the Cowboys should sign a receiver? And if so, who? Or who would you trade for to um, better our wide receiver roster? 
And now on to our next topic. Two, uh, week two superlatives as the Cowboys beat the Bengals. Now that the dust is settled, it's time to recognize what went right for the Cowboys after their shocking win over the Bengals. To say this win was unexpected is an understatement. Everyone and their mother was writing the Cowboys off, and they delivered what nobody expected them to. The 2017 win over the Bengals was certainly a way to silence the doubters. But that wouldn't have happened without certain individuals leading the way. The one at the front of the pack, or the pride if you will, was none other than Defensive Player of the Year frontrunner Micah Parsons. While there was more competition for MVP this week rather than in week one, Micah Parsons was still the runaway favorite for this week's most valuable player. Parsons was in the backfield on almost every snap and was constantly in Joe Burrow's face, making his life miserable behind what was thought to be a new and formidable offensive line. Parsons lined up against old teammate A.L. Collins much of the night, and he made light work of the former Cowboy. On Sunday, he recorded eight pressures, three hurries, three quarterback hits, and two sacks. He now has four sacks on the season, leading the NFL, and has the most sacks through a player's first 18 games of NFL history with 17. After a performance like he had on the, on Sunday, there was no doubt in my mind he was winning this award for me. He was a difference maker in this game as normally expected of him, and it will be nearly impossible for almost anyone except him to follow up a game like this. And next, we have our Players of the Week. Offensive Player of the Week is Tony Pollard. This was a difficult to pick for a very different reason than last week. Never would I have ever thought of choosing between Noah Brown and Tony Pollard. In any case, would be this difficult. Yet here I am. I ended up choosing Pollard for this week's Offensive Player of the Week simply because he affected the game, not only in the run game, but in the passing game as well. After a not-so-great week one for Pollard, he had a lot more success against the Bengals, finishing with 98 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. As I said before, he performed well in both the run and pass game, having 43 yards on the ground and 55 through the year. Our Defensive Player of the Week is Trayvon Diggs. This award was also very difficult to choose this week as several players, other than Parsons, had great weeks, including Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong, Leighton Vanderesh, but Trayvon Diggs wins the award this week. There was a lot of talk about Diggs and his matchup with Jamar Chase and how Diggs wasn't technically sound and that Chase was going to have a huge game against him. Well, that was not the case. Diggs shut down the Bengals' number one receiver, holding him to just two catches for 14 yards on three targets. While number seven held his own against Chase, he also made what was essentially the game-saving tackle on third down against Tyler Boyd as well. Now he didn't record an interception, but he certainly deserves much praise for how he handled the Cincy Whiteouts. And next, we give out 
our Rookie of the Week awards. Starting off, Offensive Rookie of the Week, Tyler Smith. The first-round pack uh, pick excuse me, had an even better game this week, and he's making himself not only look wor- worth the 24th pick, but even a steal. In Sunday's matchup, Smith allowed just one pressure on 36 passing snaps. He didn't allow a single sack or even a penalty, which he was notorious for in college. He was also phenomenal in the run game, grading out as the second-best run blocker on the team with a 74 grade by PFF. This This is from a player who primarily played guard in college. And next, Defensive Rookie of the Week, Sam Williams. We did see a bit more on the second rounder this time out, instead of the six defensive snaps Williams played last week. While that still is not a ton of reps or game time, it's still a step in the right direction for Williams. He was called for a penalty during the game, but he did make a really nice tackle for a loss to turn an already first and long into a second and longer. Hopefully the trend of increased snaps continues for the Ole Miss product. And before we wrap up, let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Topics we covered. Is there something we missed? Something we should have included? Let us know. And as always, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash the big D. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring in new hosts, be able to pay them and hopefully take this show on the road. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Big D Breakdown with your host, Larry Lees. Thank you for listening and watching. Follow us on social media at Big D Breakdown on Twitter, Facebook, New Big D Breakdown, and on Instagram. Just search the Big D Breakdown. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.